All right, so it looks like we're live. So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we're here tonight for our second session of The Sample Adventures. And this is a new streaming show that we are bringing to you where we take a look at various games that include a sample adventure as part of the core book or setting supplements or the box set. Uh, and we're just trying to you know, get a, an idea of that game and does that starter or sample adventure do what we think it will do. Tonight, we're playing Temples and Tombs, which is a mutant year zero engine RPG designed by Christopher Gray. You may notice he's with us. He's the one running the game. Um, I am Michael, and I'm going to be playing a professional adventurer. And my name is Hiram Ravenwood. And I will note that my signature item is a pocket watch given to me by my great-great-grandmother, Marion. All right. So, Kaylee, say hello to everyone. Tell us who you're playing. Hi, I'm Kaylee. Uh... I am playing the kid genius, Professor Hopalong Bonsai. You can call her Hope. She is a 16-year-old super genius, recently graduated from this university's version of MIT. She tends to dress a lot like Dr. Horrible, so kind of a white lab coat, gloves, and wears a pair of steampunky-like multifunction goggles on her head that is her own patent-pending invention. Nice. All right, and then we also have Jack tonight. Jack, say hello to everyone. Hey, I'm Jack Vinson. And I am playing Jay Stacy Aronson. Uh, they are a grizzled journalist. So, standard journalist uh, set up. On Adventure, they've got their the vest with all the pockets and the recording gear. And her signature item, or his signature item, depending on which version of Stacy you're seeing, is um, a fountain pen. And that brings us to our game master for this evening, Christopher. Christopher, say hello to everyone. Tell us a little bit about the game we're going to be playing, and then let's just get going. Okay, hello everybody. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I think this might be the first time that Michael and I have played together, actually, even though we've interviewed several times. So this is going to be fun. Uh, I'm Christopher Gray, as he said. You can call me Chris, unless it's being formal and you're giving me a word, then I'm Christopher. <laughs> uh, so this is Temples and Tombs. This is a, uh, a, a pulp adventure game, and uh, we're using Year Zero Mechanics. And so uh, the adventure that we're playing out of this book is actually my favorite adventure. It's really designed not necessarily to be a one-shot, although it can. Uh, so we're going to kind of truncate some of it. So it'll be verbatim on the parts that we use. And it is called the Temple of the Feather of Mott. So we're going Egyptology here, folks. Nice. I watched The Mummy last night to warm up, so I'm Oh, ready. good. So you're there. You're there. Yeah. yeah. All right, great. Well, um, I think that's enough for the pleasantries why don't we why don't we dive back I want to make sure I have everybody's characters names right so we have uh, Hiram uh, Professor uh, Hope I should write Hope is fine just Hope it's okay and Stacy yes cool alright this game uh, uses a mechanic that I call the cold open and uh, this is kind of uh, an opportunity for you to try out your characters in a low-risk environment. Uh, and so there aren't, we're not going to be rolling dice. Uh, and, and just so you know and you're clear that your characters are never going to get killed in this game. You are beaten up all the time, but you, you'll always stand back up. You could do this all day. So, um, but even still, we're not going to roll any dice in this first part. I'm just going to set the scene for you. We are um, we're currently in Uganda. It's 1938. The world is sort of in turmoil, marching off to war. Yet 
your group is actually under the uh, leadership of a museum in Luxor, ancient museum of antiquities. And this museum uh, has an elite force of academics that it uses to uh, keep track of Egyptian artifacts across the world. And so uh, that's why you're in Uganda. Apparently, you were told by the museum's curator, person by the name of Professor Hawass, you were told that this uh, area of Uganda was considered the source of the Nile 4,000 years ago. And that there's a very important cartouche there of ISIS. And you need to get that cartouche out of there because there's some politics at play and it's very possible that the Italian military or somebody is going to get in there and cause havoc. So we need to get this off of the continent and into the central continent and into Egypt as soon as possible. So that's where you are at this moment. Now, I need to know a couple of things from you. So you're in the Mariba rainforest. So if you can picture this, with it's just thick, 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 humid. It is um, impossible to see further than 10 yards. But yet you've located the sacred site where this cartouche was located. And it was a pyramid that was sort of overgrown. Nobody knew it was there. Well, let me start with this. Who set off the trap that collapsed the pyramid as soon as you walked in? So I'm thinking that uh, Stacy was trying to, uh, was, was looking around and like just observing and trying to take it all in and, and re- take notes and record observations and, and checking out what, uh, what Hiram and Hope were doing and, and maybe, and, you know, try to, cause she's got this, he's got, They've decided that um, they're trying to get a, an angle on making hope uh, a big like media sensation, and was walking backwards and tripped tripped over your standard vine that just happened to be the vine that was the tripwire for this uh, for this collapse. Okay, so the temple or whatever it was is a burial site. It was believed that maybe this was where Pharaoh Hatshepsut went, and uh, this would have proved that this female Pharaoh made it all the way to the source of the Nile, which would blow the socks off of academia as we know it. But this is, if this is the case, and this area is, is quite important, and it's now collapsed. So who was it that pulled Stacy out of danger into the pyramid as it was collapsing around? Probably would be me. I'm not going to say Professor Hope couldn't have done it, but it, that feels like a Hiram kind of thing to do. And so when the camera whips and watches Hiram do this, how does it look? Does, is Hiram, is there a shoulder roll involved? Oh, de- definitely. I definitely think there's a, probably a shoulder roll and then reaching the left arm like over the edge of something that was about to collapse. And I, I grabbed their wrist in this moment where, you know, I'm looking down at them. They're looking up at me and, you can see that I've got a bandage on my forehead. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be hurt in a different place in every scene, uh, but I've definitely had some sort of big bruise on my forehead. Already, it's got a nice bandage. Need to be careful there. Oh, oh, thank you so much, Hiram. Now, fortunately, the entire pyramid didn't collapse. Just this area that you were standing in. So now you're stuck inside of a pyramid, and it isn't the big lingering dungeon that you might expect from certain tabletop role playing games. It's just a big open room. Um, that is stacked until there's a top of the pyramid. In the middle 
is a sarcophagus, but it's not a full-size sarcophagus that would hold a person. It's it's sort of miniaturized, and it's on a pedestal, sort of in the middle. And the the Ugandan sunlight, this is peeking through the vines at the top of the ruins, right on this pedestal. So uh, whose idea was it to just grab the sarcophagus without checking for any additional traps? I think that was Hope. Uh, she was pretty eager. Finding the sarcophagus here, and it's, it's such an odd sarcophagus, they weren't even paying attention. Uh, Hiram and Stacy were almost fell to their death, but she just ran up and grabbed it because, I mean, it's pocket-sized, even for her, you know, because big pockets. And it's like, this is an amazing find. We need to save this. Okay, so um, when Hope grabs a sarcophagus, and it takes two hands, uh, so while the uh, the sarcophagus is, it, it just fits into your hand, but it takes two hands. It's like the size of a, a, a large brick, and, and that's when the rest of the pyramid begins to collapse. So the top is kind of caving in, and now you can see a bigger version of the Ugandan sky, but it's hard because there's debris falling on top of you. So um, how is it that you are all the able to dodge the debris and climb your way out as the temple is collapsing. What do you got, Hiram? Well, I would assume that I'm pulling Stacy behind me at the same time I'm trying to get sort of over hope. Like, you know, I got like one arm over each trying to keep our heads down as we're running through and just, you know, each time we take a step, there's a large something that collapses right where we were. And we're almost doing like a square dance sort of thing. Like we're just moving back and forth and things are stacking up Jenga style or Tetris style, but we seem to be in sort of like a safe zone. Oh, but I've got to take a picture of this. And you shove me out of the way as another brick stone comes tumbling down out of the sky. Just knock your camera out of your hands. No, no! Not the time, Stacy. Stacy, don't worry about your camera. That was a knockoff Leica. You can get better. That you can get those anywhere. We'll get you a real one once we get back. Once we get back to London, you've made it out of the rubble safe, and you have the sarcophagus. Which, when you open it up, you can see the cartouche in there of Isis. This proves that the pharaoh was there. How, how did you drop it? And, and, and it, it's 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 now gone in the rubble beneath you. What happened? Yet arguably the the most important find in the century since King Tut, and you dropped it. Unfortunately for Hope, when she opened it, that like her face under the under the large pith helmet is beaming, and she's so excited. Her hands are shaking. And then all of a sudden, a spider crawls up on her, and she screams and throws it up into the air and jumps back behind a Hiram. It's like, spider, 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 too many legs, too many legs. But nobody has a um, chance to react after that, crap. because suddenly there's gunfire, rifle shots, cracking through the jungle, and the uh, group of British soldiers that have been advancing on you all this time have arrived. What did you do to piss them off? Why are they after you? I suspect that Stacy wrote an expose of the leader of this particular group of uh, soldiers, so maybe the uh, commander. And, um, and of course, the way that Stacy got the expose was by ingratiating themselves into the company of several commanders and got dirt on this particular commander and and they you know they discovered our our that we're going to be off here you know a fairly small party alone and um, 
they're going to come and get their vengeance and possibly take the loot back to the British Museum instead of to uh, Luxor. Yeah, we got to keep it out of those colonial hands. Oh, so how, who got the uh, cartouche back from the rubble just as the British were advancing and you were running away from them into the, into the forest? And I feel like it's probably a Hiram. I think Hiram gets it because Hope actually distracted the soldiers for a moment by looking over at them, running up and going, Thank you! I knew somebody would come and save me from the spider! I appreciate you guys so much for showing up in time! And meanwhile, Hiram's back there just, like, doing his magic. I see myself in, like, one of those chimney situations where my back is against one wall, my feet's on the other, and I'm, like, trying to reach down to get it right below me. And maybe the rocks are shifting, so at one point that I'm doing, like, a three-way split sort of thing. And above you, you just hear this chattering going on as, as they're all distracted. <laughs> in the next moment, you're all running from the British who have firearms. And you are advancing uh, deep into the jungle, trying to get away from them, trying to lose them again. What causes you to turn back and run towards the British? Wow. I mean, I, I, I assume we're getting hopelessly lost in the forest. It's it's thick, overgrown jungle. There's no path. Like, the only path is the one that we made. So when we ran the opposite direction, we, we were just getting hopelessly lost and stuck. I mean, they're having just as much trouble as we are, but... At some point, oh, of course, we come to a cliff, right? And at this stage of the uh, of the story, there's no way we're just going to jump for our lives. That happens later. Exactly. Um, yeah. There's a waterfall. Everything. Yeah. So we, we have to turn back, and, and maybe Stacy thinks maybe maybe they can use their uh, their style and, and sway the commander to uh, to not kill us. So there's that moment in the movie where you're almost over the cliff and you look back and the British are advancing and you look over the cliff and the British are advancing and we're cut inside of an office in Cairo that belongs to the Luxor Museum of Egyptian Civilization and Antiquities. And that's how we lost it. Yeah, Professor Hawass is uh, looking at you with his hooked nose, his spectacles on the bridge of his nose, his impeccable tweed suit. Back up. You had the cartouche in your hands? Yeah. And then how did the British take it from you? Well, well the temple by... was collapsing, and we had to, it was a rush. We had to get out of there. And then all of a sudden, for some unknown reason, they just showed up. They must have been on our trail the whole time for some unknown reason. I have no idea why that could have been. And there was a spider. Don't forget the spider. There was a terrible spider. And then, well... They caught up with us because I got stuck in a patch of juniper berries, and they, Hiram had to pull me out, and then we were surrounded. Uh, it was it was a whole thing. The London Museum is going to take that from Africa, along with everything else that they've stolen. <sighs> well, we can we can we can get it back. I'm sure, can't we, guys? Well, I mean, if we we well, well I mean, we should have gotten you another can did you get another camera by the way when we got back because if you had gotten a picture of it that would have been awesome too well you know the temple was collapsed well no i understand that i just want to make sure that before we go out again you get a new camera oh and, yeah good idea i'll, I'll and, take care and and the temple collapsed this was a historic landmark a historic discovery yes true yes. hapsepshit was there in deep africa Actually, it was quite amazing, but uh, you know, no fault of our own, it it collapsed. Very structurally unsound. I, I took some notes. 
well, perhaps there's something more important that we need to turn our attention to. Yeah, the fact that we're all okay. Not that. Yeah. We already won. We made it out. Safe and secure. Hiram guarantee. Three people in, three people out. Not that. You, you are very expendable. What? No, I think expensive. Hey. Expensive yeah. is what you meant to say. You know, expendable is what happens when you send a bunch of mannequins in a truck to infiltrate something. That's expendable. We're expensive. Both. You are both expensive and expendable. But the museum does have more use for your services. This is something that's come to light that I need help with. I have a letter. And he he opens up a a case and pulls out a letter and then glares at Hiram. Are you going to tell us what it is? I'm trying to decide that, as a matter of fact. I mean, if you're having trouble reading it, we could get you some new glasses. I don't think he can read. It's oh, he e. can read. He's read before. It's not E. There's like 18, 20 letters on that. Indeed, there's more than only that. It says, "Dearest curator, this letter represents the unified wishes of the remaining members of the Knights of the Feather of Mott, who since antiquity have protected this precious artifact from all manner." of earthly dangers, including pharaohs, emperors, and war. This is from a secret society that protects the legendary Feather of Ma. Now, you may not be privy to this, but few people knew it even existed. I mean, it is a secret society, right? Indeed. Wait, wait, few people knew that the Feather of Ma existed, or the secret society existed? Uh, both. The Feather of Ma was meant to be a legendary idea in, in, in the religion of the ancient world, nobody thought that it was an actual artifact that physically existed. Uh, I get that way about rice pilaf. Uh, Nobody's ever been it, able to actually cook it for me. I don't think it compares. Okay. Another war is upon us, and we are fearful that the feather will be captured by people who can use it for great destruction. We regret that our order can do nothing in the face of modern warfare, nor against the multiple superpowers with their enormous armies. It is time to return the Feather of Truth to the Hall of Mott, and we have learned that you now know where this is. If you are worthy of protecting the Feather of Mott, then you should join us. When you do, we humbly ask that you return this precious artifact to its rightful place in Thebes. With gratitude and peace, the ancient Plumars. So, we have been called on for an important task. And we gotta take it back and become these people, secret society things that I wasn't paying attention. I'll recap. The Knights of the Feather of Mott. They call themselves the Plumars, which was short for a Latin name that they went by for a long time, called the Praise Plume. And they are... Uh, off of the map, shall we say. And I've been operating since, well, before Alexander the Great. And their sole purpose has been, has been to protect this artifact. And now they're asking for the museum's help. Well, when you need the best, you know. No, it's because the museum happens to know where the Mott Temple is in Thebes. Another secret that we have kept from modern society for thousands of years. You're going to tell us where it is, right? Yes, but it's more important to find out where the feather is. Gotcha. So it sounded like the feather is not in the temple, but elsewhere? It needs to be brought back to the temple. 
get the feather, get the feather to the temple, get paid, bada boom. The plumy guys induct us into their cool secret society. I'm afraid not. That's what it said in the letter. They're not going to be around much longer, and that is why they need the feather returned. They see the war on the horizon, and they do not believe they have what it takes to withstand the storm. Why is this war so much different from past wars? I mean, the war to end all wars just happened 20 years ago. That's never going to happen again. We've learned our lesson. Certainly. I suspect that this war may be directly in the path of the feather. Interesting. So it's... The Great War was far-reaching, but not really in the reach of the ancient world. But this one very well could be. Hmm. All right. Let's find ourselves a feather. Let's do it. Any, any idea where to start? Well, the history of the feather is pretty opaque. But there is suspicion, at least among my colleagues, that it was taken perhaps to Constantinople. Following the historical train, if it had been in the hands of Alexander the Great, then it would have fallen into the hands of the Romans. And if the Romans had it, they would have brought it to Constantinople. But that's truly our only lead. I do have a colleague and friend who operates in Constantinople, and I believe that she would be a good place to start. But I'm open to other ideas. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Can you wire them to save us a trip out there if, if there's nothing? We are discussing going to Istanbul. Uh, we have a limited budget. How you get there is entirely up to you, but I can't really help. So if we just happen to be there and we happen to run into each other, we can uh, avail you, you can avail our, yourselves of our services. Is that the idea? I'm sure I don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, this is more of a possible sure deniability either, thing. They they want to disavow us of our you know disavow knowledge of our actions. Yeah, they're basically firing us without giving us any sort of severance. But we're still going to work for them on the down low. Huh. You and your kids and your slang. Stacy, do you still have your friends that can help us get there by plane? Well, my character does have a high-ranking contact in an organization of my choice. So nice. um, I was trying to figure out when that would be become particularly useful. How about, uh, since I am a journalist, I do know I do have to travel about the, uh, the world quite a bit. And um, I know a number of people in the Cunard family and oh, okay. uh, uh, their ships do sail the uh, is the canal open in 1939 uh, I believe so I don't know for sure let's say that at let's least if we can get is. ourselves to Cairo we can we can get uh, we can hitch a ride um, I can t I can telegram my my contacts in London uh, in the Cunard family and we can hitch our ride on uh on one of their ships uh, headed towards uh, Constantinople. Istanbul, of course. Istanbul, not Constantinople. Right? Correct. Well, I don't know why they changed that. Yeah, it's nobody's business but the Turks, honestly. <laughs> I guess they just liked it better that way. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he, he gives you the name Azra Tekin, who is a curator at the Hagia Sophia of Byzantine Antiquities. Uh, that's his personal contact. They they went to school together. 
Uh, so they're very close, and the only one that he trusts with this. And she's also been corresponding with him about the Plumars over the years. So you have you have that contact in Istanbul now. If you need to get there, we are dealing with the Russian military at this point. Uh, so you know, getting in is going to be eh, tricky politically. Hmm. So can I? So um, can I? Can Stacy use their? Um something to do with their savvy to um, to scare up some uh, identity papers for the three of us? Yeah, so now we get to get into some dice! Yeah. So what do I need? We have, um, yeah, I think this is a... I wasn't sure if it was a sway or a savvy. It could go either way. I think this is savvy, because okay. you would need to know what kind of papers you'd need to forge. Yeah, true. We, yeah we need to right. find out what what we need, and then we need to get them forged. Yeah, right? so that's a that's a wit and savvy roll. So roll uh, all of those dice. Okay, so I've got four in wit plus one in savvy. Is that how that works? Yep. So you can roll five dice. Okay. And you're looking for sixes to sets. I've got one six. Cool. And do I need to worry about the one that I got? No, you only worry about ones when you start incurring luck. Okay. Uh, and the one on a luck die means you're out of luck. So okay. uh, you get luck by pushing rolls. Okay. So... I've got a, a six. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, you figure you could actually come up with some uh, some British papers pretty easily, and you would be allowed into Turkey with that. Okay. Um, I mean, you're not going to have a whole lot of uh, top tier access or anything, but you would. I mean, they're basically visiting tourist papers. Visa. Yeah, tourist yeah. papers. Um, so you could you can do that. Now, there's a with those papers, you're able to use any of the public transit that's going on. I mean, there is. A, yeah, you you could there there are uh, chartered ships. Also, obviously, if you know somebody at Cunard, that might be easier. Yeah. Uh, but there are zeppelins, and there are uh, mm. there there are uh, plane plane trips you can take, but they're not going to be very comfortable. I mean, there is a right. they they have commercial flight, but it's not great. I figure Cairo to Cairo to Istanbul. If it's a if it's a direct ship cruise, it's it's only a couple of nights. It shouldn't be yeah, too bad. Tops, right? Yeah, yeah. Probably pull up a map of Turkey. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And I've got, I've, yeah, like I said, I've got the friends in uh, at Cunard, and they're able to hook us up with uh, three rooms. We, we're not getting state suites or anything, but it's not, it's not, all, it's also not the, um, what's the bottom? It's not uh, the oh steerage. steerage. It's not steerage either, so uh, we're we're okay. Okay, well, so are these these friends? What are they mechanically? Are they part of your background? Yeah, so it's a it's a high ranking contact. So it's it's somebody in the in the Cunard family who run the cruise lines and they're able to finagle uh, passage for the three of us. Cool. Do I need a name? Uh, yes, that would help me out. Yes. So it's, um, it's Cleo Cunard. <laughs> Ooh, one of the, like the Cunard. Yeah. I told you it's somebody in the family. Yeah. And of course they're not like running, running the company, but they're high up enough in the family and high up enough in the, in the company that they can finagle something for me. Okay, cool. I'm just looking at the. Uh... So, yeah, you have like two nights, uh, cabins in the Cunard. Now, is there something that you want to do in Cairo before you leave uh, to to prepare for this mission, this off the record mission? Is there any research that um, Hope could do? Could, since given that your that that background, I'm guessing um, that there's not going to be a whole lot in the newspapers about the uh, the feathers of Mott, given their style. I mean, I have access to the to some historical texts. I could take a look and see if I can find some more information. All right, perfect. Let's do a uh, wit and lore. 
Now you're at the Museum of Luxor, so it's just a question of going into the archives at this point. You don't even need to go to a, to a library or anything. Cool. That's seven dice. If you've actually seen this museum, uh, it's very nondescript. It's, it's really interesting when you look it up on Google. It's like this concrete building in the middle of Cairo. It's been there forever. So I would like to push my luck because I got zero successes. Nice. All right. So that means check one luck box. You get a luck die. And now you can reroll the whole pot, but with luck die, too. If that luck die comes up as a one, which is probably going to happen because that's my luck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Good news. The luck die did not come up as a one. Bad news. The roll was even worse. Wow. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, the, the Luxor does not have anything on this. I mean, it's not even about your ability to find the information. It's the information just isn't here. It is yeah, a I mean, secret it, society. They probably don't have, like, you know... If, uh, definitely not in the card catalog. Yeah. So if <laughs> you, uh, you might need to... <laughs> well, if Professor Havas has, um, has been investigating these, he's probably already scoured the Luxor records and either not found anything oh. or removed uh, records that are relevant. That is more likely. There are a bunch of books that are just missing pages. So, yeah, You could go to um, a, a different place, a library or maybe something else, and try to look again, see if you can find anything. Uh, Cairo does have lots of those. Um, sure. I wouldn't mind trying, uh, trying, like, uh, the Royal, the Royal College has a very extensive library. Mm-hmm. See if yeah, I can they get probably know you there, you know? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm an emeritus professor there, you know, during the summers, but, you know. Okay. So, be the same role, correct? Yep. But include no your luck die. You keep the luck until it's out. Yeah. Okay. Until I, I ruin it. Okay. There we go. This they haven't pillaged this one. That's that's three successes. Three. Okay, I can spill the beans for you then. Very exciting. Uh, yeah, they actually you found this in a secured part of the library, which of course you have access to. But there are these 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 uh, old records and some research that somebody was doing in the 1850s, 1860s, and what they found was. Um, you know, the Feather of Mott, according to mythology, or according to legend, I should say, was passed down by the pharaohs from pharaoh to pharaoh. And there, nobody really knew about this. It's not in the historical record. And so that's why this person was investigating what this artifact was. Yeah. According to legend, this artifact would reveal the truth of whoever it was that you were speaking with. So the pharaohs would use it to control people and nations and everything else. Hmm. All the way up until Akhenaton, when... He used the feather. He didn't like the truth that it presented. Oops. And so he called it sacrilege, along with everything else. Everything was sacrilege to him. And so he, 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 he was going to destroy the feather. But that's when the Plumars were formed. It, they, they, they took the feather to protect it, and they held on to it until Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great took it, started using it. And um, after that, Rome took it to, to Constantinople. So supposedly it's in Constantinople somewhere. Uh, and, and just knowing history, like you do, it, 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 Hagia Sophia is a, where they would have taken it. You know, there's no other place that they probably would have taken it. Okay. So does, there's does a good chance imply, of this. Does that imply that Alexander the Great was a member of this uh, knighthood of the, uh, the feather? Yeah, it, well, he would have been in charge of it, you know, or or any emperor at the time. Okay. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was imperial from that point forward. Okay, makes sense. And then it would, it would have survived, you know, all the way through Byzantine. Uh, now, the question is, what happened after the Crusaders? So, you don't, you know, 
according to uh, this person's research in the 1800s, uh, it's probably still there. All right. Well, I get that information, and I will share it with my companions. So I think this is a good lead. We've got people to see in Constantinople, Istanbul, whatever we're calling it today. Uh, And, I mean, it was there in the 1800s, supposedly, so maybe with a little luck, we'll be able to find it. Hopefully the roof won't come crashing down on us once we have it in our hands. Oh, that certainly won't happen. Okay, so we're going to watch where our feet are, and we're going to kill any spiders we see, right? (laughs) In the Hagia Sophia. Yeah. The big orb spiders that descend from the rafters. (laughs) (laughs) Hate those things. (laughs) The Byzantine spiders. Okay, so uh, you have some more information. Is there anything you would need to get in terms of gear or... Yeah, I think while uh, Hope was doing the research, Hiram probably would have been putting together, like, gear and packs. So everybody would get, you know, packs, standard adventuring gear, uh, you know, ropes and gloves and mittens and all the, all the stuff that we probably will have lost or, you know, misused along the way. Hiram, why, does, why do mine have mittens? We're not going to the Arctic again. Well, you never can be too prepared. You also notice that I have double-stitched the corners on your bag because I don't want you to lose things out of it like you did last time. Okay, that only happened the one time. If I hadn't stored those knives in the bottom, it would have been fine. You know, I'm not arguing. I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm just, you know, I'm learning from uh, experience. How else am I supposed to carry sacrificial knives? You can't just, like, carry them around in your hands. People look at you funny. You're going to sacrifice them. So, uh, so you have your mittens and you have your information. Um, all right. So your trip to Istanbul is quite luxurious. Do we have like like, a, I'm a just gonna faded have to like map with the little red dots as we yes. move from place to place? Yeah. You know, the dots are going across the the Mediterranean. Yeah. So right. um, da, da, da. we know our MacGuffin. <laughs> we have our mission. <laughs> That's fair. That is, uh, you know, the big point of the game is what is the MacGuffin, everything based on that. So uh, we know what that is. And we're going to our first location. So we have the map. We're dot, dot, dotting our way across the Mediterranean to Istanbul and Turkey. And it is, um, you know, I guess on the, 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 the montage that you're getting over the map are, are, you know, are what? What are you all doing? Are you just like sitting there and being Pulp fictiony with cigarettes and Venetian blinds? Or are you... Pouring through manuscripts? Are you drinking? I definitely think Hiram would find a place to drink. Uh, maybe get into some card or dice games with maybe some of the, uh, the, the employees, workers on the boat. Not necessarily the other passengers. But, you know, I don't know. If there's a, if there's a card game to be had, he's probably trying to get into it. Oh, yeah. The crew has one in the lower decks. Yeah. Stacy is going to be looking for even though we're not staying on the on the the top floor as it were uh, Stacy will definitely be casually strolling uh, across the top decks looking for people of note um, people well dressed or possibly since we're going into uh, an area controlled or uh, being controlled by um, the Russians maybe looking for any Russian speaking a Russian military to try to ingratiate themselves uh, with them to see, you know, you never know uh, who might be a good lead. 
Okay. Uh, I meant this to be a montage, but it sounds like you're actually trying to do something useful, so... <laughs> How dare you, sir? How dare you interrupt our montage? <laughs> we interrupt this montage for breaking mechanics. For breaking plot point. There you go. <laughs> but let's see what comes of that, because maybe there's something useful. Um, why don't we do wit and savvy? Okay. Because you're trying to spot, perhaps, possible people in the crowd that, that might be useful in this discipline. Yes. No successes. Uh, okay. Looks like a I bunch of think, tourists I don't think I need to use, push my luck on that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Just a, just a bunch of tourists, maybe. You don't see anybody. You or, see whole... or if there are any uh, upper echelon, I, I either can't uh, talk with them or they're being protected somehow. Yeah, and you don't see much of a military presence on here. I mean, there, there's military everywhere at this time of the, of the uh, at, at this time and in this place. Um, but everybody seems to be in their civvies or not really there on official business. So, um, so yeah, it seems like a pretty casual uh, montage. Back to the montage. And what's, Record uh, scratch stops montage. <laughs> Wait, and then no, we get nothing. back into the montage. <laughs> what about um, what about Stacy? That was Stacy. Oh, that me? was Stacy. I got the wrong names. Where's my cheat sheet? What happened to my card that had everybody's name on it? I think you meant me, actually. Yo, so uh, Hope, yes, Hope. I think Hope, uh, there's, there's like, little jump cuts between the other two. You know, Hope is sitting on a, a deck, you know, sunbathing, actually reading a book. Uh, and it's, it's like a thick engineering tome, so she's getting weird looks. And then, you, cut, you know, you cut to... To uh, Stacy doing that, and Hiram's over here gambling, and then uh, Hope's getting kicked out of the engine room because the engineer's really touchy. She suggested three or four different ways to improve the efficiency and stop that stupid banging noise that it makes. He wouldn't hear anything about it, and then she finally, in the last scene, is just sitting in that same chair but tinkering with her goggles with a pair with a very fine screwdriver and like just like this one big lens over one eye. So like in the boiler room with the coal? Does she have like a yeah. streak of coal on her head? That she... Oh, at that first, or during that moment, oh, 100%, yeah, because she was, <laughs> there, there's like coal and then there's grease and just, she's completely filthy when she gets thrown out. That's great. And they probably had Cockney accents. So, we are uh, in Istanbul. Uh, this is a beautiful day, you know, not too hot, not too cold, blue skies, uh, everybody's out, and it's sort of a busy commerce everywhere that you go, and you're at the door, you're at the, the port, so it's, you know, especially uh, crowded and full of people trying to sell everything to everyone, and there are um, a whole mix of people here, it really is a smokersport of people, so you don't really stand out, you don't fit in either, and it's just shoulder to shoulder as people are cattle driving their way into the larger city. You can see that, the, you know, the, the, the city itself is magnificent. Uh, the architecture is astounding. You can see, you know, that the walls, the Theodosian walls from ages past still standing. Um, you can you can maybe get a glimpse of what it must have been like to have to protect those walls. Um, and so it, if, if any of your characters care about history, you're just being pounded with it right now. For the rest of you, it is dirty, crowded, noisy, and hot and humid. Yeah, so Stacy likes to keep up a certain level of style and, and and appearance and just the... I mean, they've had to deal with dirt and, and grime, but just 
you know, coming off the rather nice accommodations that we had on the on the ship, uh, and then coming into the city, you know, they're just like, can we can we just get to our hotel and, and get ourselves situated and figure out find our contact at the uh, if that, at the Hagia Sophia if that's if that's our first uh, first port of, uh, of interest here. I mean, lead on. You're the one who made reservations, right? Right. Yes. Yes, I did. This way. Did make reservations, right? This is when we get to find out whether or not you made reservations, because there is a uh, luck die mechanic in this game that if if a question comes up, did I make reservations? Then we can see if you made reservations. So, if you do, you have any luck incurred, or is he, are you out of? I have not used any no, luck yet. Okay, so that means you just uh, get one die, get one luck die. To well, roll. so you mean Stacy, or do you mean any of us? Well, were you the one that's supposed to make the reservations? I, I suspect since I made the travel <laughs> arrangements, you think I would have made the yeah. uh, hotel reservations. Yeah, so you get to roll the luck die and see if you just, have a Just that die? Yep. Oh. Okay, no. Uh, you've incurred a luck, though, so now you get to keep that die for your next round. Okay. Um, and you did not remember to do the reservations part. Or maybe you did remember, and you're like, ah, we're not going to do reservations. That'll be fine. We'll just... I mean, we'll figure it out. It's Istanbul. They've got to have hotels, right? Yeah. It's on a hostel or something to jump into. So maybe uh, as we exit the uh, as as we exit the boat, uh, I, I talk to one of the uh, purser, whatever their job is, and uh, hey, hey um, where should we go to uh, to to stay for for a week or so? Ah, uh, you did not get a reservation. No, no, we figured we could find one once we got here. Ah, well, go with God. And he continues his job and moves his stuff off of onto, the, onto the gangplank and Great. smiles and waves. Pushes down the gangplank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's actually Great. not a bad idea. Maybe oh there's God. a church that'll take us in. Oh, really? Hmm. That'd be an interesting uh, adventure. Never so there's a series of... man of God, but, uh, you know, God's a God. You notice that Hiram has a black eye and my left arm is in a sling. Uh, there's no explanation. <laughs> I was wondering how you got that. that I stopped asking, bucks. honestly. It's... But okay, there's a series of cuts where you are uh, approaching hotel proprietor after hotel proprietor after hotel proprietor, and each like worse than the last. Like you have the, the you know the the, the the Grand Season Hotel right on the on the bay. Doors closed, and now by the time you get. No room at the inn. Yeah, you get to the youth hostel, and you know there's the guy with a cigarette hanging from his mouth, and just frowns at you, slams the door, and so um, you you finally end up at a sort of make do bed and breakfast, and what they have is a single family home, but inside of a wall of single family homes with one of those narrow corridors that was built in like you know 1000 AD. Right. And uh, and and like that, their their guest room is a a uh, canopy that they put in the alleyway that has an opening into their living room. So you are literally sleeping on the street, but there's a canopy, and they have bed rolls for you, and they gave you some flatbread, and you know it's just it was just just you know one pound sterling, assuming that's the money you have. I actually have my income is rich. So oh, okay. <laughs> I, I will make a, a show of pain for this, but I will make a show of pain for this. Nice. Because my income is not rich. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's where you are. Excellent. And 
What kind of distance from the uh, Hagia Sophia are we? Like, are we on the opposite side of town, or is it? <laughs> I mean, your luck roll wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, I think uh, no, it's pretty. It's it's you can see it from here. I mean, it, it's okay. obviously a huge building. The viewers that want to see the Hagia Sophia. Ah, uh, that's that one. Okay, I've seen pictures oh, okay. of that. Yep. Yeah, at the time, it was the largest dome structure ever built, and apparently, it's gorgeous. I would love to see it. Uh, so it's just massive. For those of you who are not watching, it is a massive building with a huge dome, uh, and it is probably the biggest thing in the Istanbul skyline. At least we know where we're going. Getting there from here might be a <laughs> might be an adventure. Yeah. At least the uh, well, if the canopy falls on us in the night, it will kill us. Yeah. Is is this relatively? Besides that, we're. Are we protected, or could you know people coming in off the street and attack us if if that were ever to happen? Well, I mean, there are there are sort of partitions up, so it's it, people would be coming through, but they would try to be like they would be moving their you know livestock around the partition and maybe cussing at you because you're sort of in the way. But but you know you do have a space. Okay, so don't leave any of your favorite gear here. We try again for a hotel tomorrow night. Maybe the person with money will try. Okay, so uh, you get up with the sun because you're sort of outside. <laughs> it's not, you know, it was comfortable for what it was. But, uh, we slept in worse. You slept, yeah, it's fine. No spiders. Uh, what next? Do you want to go to the Hagia Sophia? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Currently there. Seems like the appropriate direction to go. Your, your bed and breakfast did give you a breakfast. Something, some, lo- some <laughs> local cuisine. I'm not sure. It's what. a leftover flatbread. Yeah, other well, probably flatbread. I, I'm not sure what what they eat for breakfast in Turkey, but I'm sure one of the viewers could tell us. There's probably some fresh fruit. Ice pilaf. Wait a minute. That's is that what that is? <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> Do we need to see Azra Tikin? Is that at, at the uh, contact? Yeah, she is the uh, the Byzantine curator. Yep. So you you make your way through the city. It's really uh, cramped, closed quarters, but it's obviously where you're going. So it's not like you can get lost. You know, this is the biggest landmark in the city, so you just keep going. And it is walking case. It takes you a good part of the morning to get there, but it is walking distance. Yeah, the view is astounding as you get. You know, and it's open, so people are coming in and out. It's at this point, it's it's used as a mosque, but it's also a museum. So as long as you don't go into the mosque part, you're probably pretty cool. Hey, at least there won't be any traps here. Find an office and uh, probably inquire as to uh, the location of Curator Tekin. Yeah, so you're going to go to basically the uh, information desk. There are several individuals there. Many of them speak different languages, uh, and they and they uh, they hear Azra's name, and they say, oh, yes, uh, yeah, well, we will let her know that you are here, and they send a courier. A few minutes later, a woman comes through the... Oh, I should probably back up. I mean, inside the Hagia Sophia, you are, it's a huge floor, floor plan. And, you know, the, the dome is astounding. So there's going to be a moment or five where you're just like looking around at the magnificence of this building. There's, um, balconies that circle around, uh, the, uh, the iconography is, is out- outstanding. And the Byzantine architecture is outstanding. There's, there's, statues there's all this and and it's set up as a rectory like it was in a christian church but then they have a mosque set up further in so it's it's sort of a hybrid of all of the different faiths that have 
been in this place. And it's just really amazing. So like, you, you don't even realize you're waiting. Yeah. When Azra approaches, she said, I am so sorry about the wait. And apparently you've been waiting for like the better part of an hour. <laughs> and she, she's a middle-aged woman, really nicely dressed. She, she's walking with authority. Uh, she, she obviously belongs there and is sort of a boss, you know, and everybody greets her when she comes in. She has a clipboard. <laughs> she says, uh, welcome to the Hagia Sophia. Uh, I am Azra. You, you know, my very good friend. Yes. It's yes. our understanding that you two are birds of a feather. Yes. Mm-hmm. We went way back, but don't let him tell you he did better for me than me. So you're, both, you're both curators at, at lovely museums. These are awesome institutions. Uh, although I must say the, uh, Hagia Sophia is much more pleasing to the eye. The Hawas calls his place a museum, but it's really a dusty collection of unorganized antiques. We See, all know. I like her better. I like her a lot better. Why don't we work for her? We all know history is way more interesting than the dusty sands of Egypt. But... I deal with Romans. I don't really uh, deal with the ancients, so you can see my bias. Is there an office somewhere we could uh, speak maybe privately? Certainly, this way. She says, uh, welcome to the Hagia Sophia. Uh, I am Azra. You you know my very good friend. Yes, it's our understanding that you two are birds of a feather. Yes, Mm -hmm. we went way back, but don't let him tell you he did better for me than me. So you're, both, you're both curators at, at lovely museums. These are awesome institutions. Uh, although I must say the uh, Hagia Sophia is much more pleasing to the eye. The Hawas calls his place a museum, but it's really a dusty collection of unorganized antiques. We See, all know. I like her better. I like her a lot better. Why don't we work for her? We all know history is way more interesting than the dusty sands of Egypt. But I deal with Romans. I don't really uh, deal with the ancients, so you can see my bias. Is there an office somewhere we could uh, speak maybe privately? Certainly, this way. She takes you uh, all the way across the Hagia Sophia, you know, which is probably why it took so long to get to where you were. She had to walk 20 minutes across the entire facility. And, uh, it, she, she, you, you go into the kind of the back annex area and it's still very nice and ornate, but it's obviously a little more business here. And, um, it, it, you know, past a gift shop and into an area that is just a collection of offices. And it's sort of like, you know, all, all of the offices are enclosed, but they have the Venetian blinds and the glass windows. And you can see that this is just where the staff works, filing cabinets, typewriters, that kind of thing. And she brings you into a back office and she has, uh, talk about dusty crap. She has like Byzantine stuff everywhere, just trinkets and, you know, crosses and pictures of the Mother Mary, everything you can think of. And she's, uh, she kind of, uh, she moves this parchment, which is probably a thousand years old, off of a chair and then dusts <laughs> it for you. <laughs> oh, please, uh, sit down. Don't want to take up too much of your time. We do appreciate you seeing us on such short notice. We are looking for something that uh, we think you might be able to help us find. Okay. Is it the true cross? Because that's really more a myth than anything. What did she call it? The true cross. That was many of the emperors said they had it. They just had pieces of wood that they called the true cross. And there, there isn't. It, it came through here, but it doesn't exist. No, this is something that uh, you and 
um, Hawas may have talked about in passing. The um, you know we kind of look around, making sure that nobody else is listening in. Yeah. Uh, the feather. Oh, oh, you came here for the feather. Well, he's gotten some recent communication that he and others are worried that it will go missing. <laughs> it's already missing, but yeah. that it will be uh, that that people are looking for it and it needs to be returned to Thebes. Hmm. And the last anybody has known about it, is this correct hope that it was last seen in the hands of uh, Alexander the Great and possibly here in what was then, of course, Constantinople? Constantine had it and did bring it here, yes, but it hasn't been here since the sack. 1400s, it was taken by the Crusaders. Do you have clues about which direction? Did it go to Rome in the Vatican or did it go elsewhere? Hawass didn't know this. He didn't tell us if he does. I uh, have been curious about where the Plumars took it after the sack. But, you know, it's not my area of expertise. Yes, it was once here. Would there be Plumars here that we could uh, chat with? Until a letter turned up and my colleagues mail. I didn't believe that the Plumars were even a reality. I thought they were a myth like everything else. You got a letter from the Plumars as well. No, no. Uh, uh, no. Uh, I, 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 he told me about it. Ah, yeah. They he told me not to tell anybody. Of secret society. Secret yes, it's, it's not a very well-kept secret, secret society. Well, you know, we, um, we do have to tell each other sometimes. I can show you where it was. That would be interesting. That's a start, at least. Yes. Uh, very well. Uh, this way, that uh, she takes you back into the Hagia Sophia. And I want everybody to roll a... Uh, we're, we're doing this a lot, but it's a savvy, a wit-savvy roll. And I always now roll my luck die. Yes, until you run out of luck. Two successes. Okay. And if you get a one on your success, that means you run out. Or you get a one on your luck die. That means you ran out of luck and you lose right. all of your luck dice. Two successes. Okay. Uh, you all notice there's some fishy people in the Hagia Sophia at this moment. Uh, I was going to ask specifically, is there anybody that seems to be <laughs> hanging around that we might want to be paying attention to? In particular, Hiram and, um, and Hope, you notice that the uh, there are uh, obviously military people in their sebis. Uh, and the reason you know they're military people is because they're stationed by the entrances and in a sort of formation. And their haircut is neat. Yeah. Uh, and they're they're watching. You know, without watching. And they're standing at attention. <laughs> well, they're standing firmly. Uh, now, and, I, and I guess, Stacy, you, you notice that there are a lot of people standing around for some reason. <laughs> it doesn't feel right. You, you, haven't quite, you haven't quite clocked that they're military, but um, until something's up. There's, yeah, there's people standing and watching. Yeah. Uh, are they watching us or they're just watching? They're, they're watching, uh, but they're, they're not not watching you. They're kind of like, you know, you are being watched, but they're not looking at you. Hope reaches up and kind of like tugs on, uh, tugs on Hiram's sling just a little bit. It's like, ow! You... Wasn't that on the other arm yesterday? Yeah. I had two. I'd have one on each arm. <laughs> anyway, did you see the, uh, the tall blonde guy over there by the, by the, by the column? Yeah, I definitely noticed him not noticing us. He was definitely not not noticing us. 
Stacey, are you not not noticing them not not noticing us? Now that you say something, I have not noticed anything. Well, you're doing as good a job as there, then. And I, you know, I, I, you know, I, you mentioned the blonde guy, and then there's the the black haired guy over there, and the curly haired guy over there. Like, oh, okay, they're all kind of looking the same, not looking at us. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention those of you that got an extra success. Whenever you get uh, extra successes, you get a hero die for every extra success. So get so grab a hero die each. Is that like a one-time temporary thing? Or yeah, it's like a one-time. Like it? So okay. plus one forward, you know, the lingo. Uh, do we choose to use it, or is it just whatever we <laughs> it roll? It has to be on your time. next roll. Okay. Yeah, it has to be on your next roll. Right. And if you get a six, you get Benny's. Oh, nice. Okay, I always forget that, so try to remember <laughs> if it comes up. We are uh, in a situation. Now, Azra is uh, is leading you across the, the extent, expansive hall. Uh, she's taking you to uh, a door that says staff only. In several languages. Can we kind of somehow whisper to her that we're being watched or something to that effect? Oh, yeah, yes. Of course you're being, everybody's being watched all the time in the Hagia Sophia. There are priceless artifacts here. And she smiles at you like you're an idiot and then okay. continues towards the, uh, the door. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook or join our Discord where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.